0: And I'm going to ask all the teachers and junior church kids, come on up here to the front. Don't you love it when I do this to you? (laughs) Well, too bad. (laughs) And the reason we're doing this is we are on a new system at Harmony, and um, we're doing a monthly shift at a time. And so this is the next monthly shift coming You had your shift. Sister, you need a lot of prayer, so you come on up here. Sorry. Hi, Liam. What's that? Come on. I did it by accident. So we want to commend them to the grace of God. I'm trying to cover every shift as they go downstairs. This is a critical work, is it not? This is the future. You know, the disciples, these little disciples, I've got a few, they're out there now, they're grown up, they're having their own kids and all that stuff, and it's neat, as I overheard one of my sons praying over his young baby, uh, it's an encouragement to see that passed on to this next generation, and here's some of the teachers. Parents, you have the main job. Hello. Oh, hello. The main job. And then teachers have that added blessing of pouring in. So I want to thank everyone who's serving for pouring in to the next generation. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's pray. God, thank you for uh, the gift of life and the gift of love, the gift of families, children, and Lord, the potential that is represented in every life up in front of us here today. Who knows what kind of... Scholars, doctors, great servants, wonderful parents will come out of these children. And maybe some that you will put your hand on and say, serve me in these places. We would count that a privilege to see it happen. Help our teachers as they commit their way. We ask for grace for them, illumination, quickening of whatever gifts they have so that what they pour into these children will bear fruit that counts for eternity. We commend them to your grace today. Thank you for them. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great time downstairs. Isn't everybody going that way? That's what I remember. They used to go that way. So, hi, cutie. <laughs> Hurry up. Don't lose it. Caleb, don't lose this one. <coughs> Are you going downstairs too, right? Oh yeah. I'm taking next month's shift. Who's preaching? Yeah, if you're thinking, what is my gift and what should I do if, uh, you know, it's not that hard, and uh, we have curriculum that we share, all you have to do is study it and download it, and of course, it'd be nice to love on the kids a little bit too, and, you know, not be mean like some of my teachers were, huh? you don't want to know about that. Turn in your... I deserve a little out of that. Thank you. (laughs) Wah. Anyway, if you would take your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Oh, yeah. I told you it's going to be a long trip getting through the book of Hebrews. But guess what? I'm actually going to quote from chapter 2 this morning. But not yet. I would like you to, if you're, if you're without a Bible, take the black Bible out of the seat in front of you, the little pocket, open it up to page 1196, 1196, if you're new at this and need to find your way around the scripture, book of Hebrews is toward the back before the book of Revelation, but after most of the epistles and the letter to the Hebrews. I'll allow you to stay seated, if that's okay, unless you're falling asleep Or Anybody falling asleep already? Okay, we're good then, right? Boy, that was not a resounding, like, we're good, but okay. Chapter 1 of Hebrews, starting in verse 5, follow along as I read it for you. For to which of the angels did he ever say? He has a name better than the angels, the verse before said. You are my son, today I have begotten you. The answer class is none. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. None. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says... Who makes his angels' winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter, righteous scepter, is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, And the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all become like an old garment, like a mantle. You will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same. And your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen? All right. So who is that whole first chapter talking about? Yes. The priority of Jesus, way above, in fact, very clear. God says to his son, your throne, O God. Because the Son is God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And uh, that's how the scripture reveals the God that we can't fully grasp, but that's who he is. So I have a title this morning, uh, my opening slide, Secret Agents. I'm going to go on record that I stole it. That's why there's a little asterisk. Whenever you see the little asterisk, Pastor Hocko's been stealing again. But if you asterisk and give credit, it's not plagiarism. Is that true? That's true. 1975, Dr. Billy Graham put out a book called Angels, 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 Angels. God's Secret Agents. I thought I'd start with like a, you know, spy movie thing or something, but, you know, skip it. Nah. Then your minds will all be off in the wrong place. And so... Let me bring you back where we need to be. Our series in Hebrews, for those of you who are visiting, is uh, titled Better Things because the entire book is talking about how God has brought better things into the life of the true follower of Jesus Christ. And um, I did borrow the title, and you'll find that there were very few books. In fact, he, he wrote this, his little comments at the beginning was, I found that there was very little written or preached. In fact, some people said, I've never heard a sermon preached on Angels. Well, you're going to today, if you never have. Just one, because it actually repeats later on in the book of Hebrews. Some good Christian songs made out of the story of angels. But let me set the stage by beginning with um, this verse out of the book of Revelation. You know, often when angels manifested, and we read about it in the scripture, the people who meet them freak out. You still use the word freak out? Am I in America? It's okay, freak out. They're like, what? You know? Like when the angel goes to Mary, you know, hail, favored one, she goes, it says in the Bible, she wondered what this greeting might mean. That meant she was like, ah! (laughs) So God allows uh, John to have this vision of heaven. He sees this magnificent angel, terrifying, awesome, so awesome, he actually thinks it's God. And here's what it says, I fell at his feet to worship him. And the angel said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus, worship God. Isn't that cool? And angels would often do that. It happened more than once in history. So when there was a clear manifestation of this glorious being, sometimes people got it wrong and had to get straightened out. Now, people do get it wrong. Can I just encourage you, don't get your theology from the Internet. I looked up angels on the internet. Oi, 97 songs on angels. None of them were about Christians. They were all about babes. Oh, you're an angel. I found out there were 97. I think I know of about three or four Christian songs about angels, which are pretty cool, actually. One of them was by the Newsboys. They did a great video that my whole congregation didn't understand, but it was great. I thought it was great because it was not understandable or something like that. Anyway, never mind my confusion. My ADD just kicked in. Let me reel it back in. On the web, I found really useful information like corny pickup lines about angels. Are you lost? Because heaven's a long way from here. Did it hurt? Inevitably, the girl says, did what hurt? You know what? When you fell out of heaven, yes. Are you an angel? Because, mmm, you smell heavenly. I'm just going to tell you, if anybody uses these, you're really sad. Here's the best one. Would you touch me so I can tell my friends I've been touched? Yeah, and I avoided that title on purpose. I refrained, right? And our culture has a fascination with angels, right? Uh, I got neighbors with little angels uh, on their porch or whatever and people think all kinds of things and make all kinds of statements about angels and I've talked about that before. Um, Obituaries will say they, they got their angel wings and all that which is not to be found scripturally. So a little bit of theology might help us today, don't you think? And I'm just going to plow through quickly some major principles that come out in this passage on angels. We could spend hours and hours and hours unpacking this. We don't have time, so I'm just going to stick to what comes out of the text. You'd be amazed how much does come out of the text. My sermon this morning is only three hours long, (laughs) but if you're a note-taker, secret agent's better things. Revelation 19 we just looked at. We're going to start with some theology and then later on some testimony, if you will. So there we go. Some theology. We're talking just a quick survey about what is called angelology. I promised I would put words on the screen so that you can write them down. If you've never written them down before, you'll know what I'm talking about. This is the subject. Remember, add logos on the end of any word, and you've got the theological subject, angelology. If you want to talk about the bad guys, the next word would be that, demonology or Satanology. Just add the O-L-O-G-Y. Okay? I'm going to just share that angels really figured strongly in Jewish culture, and that's why the book of Hebrews is particularly addressing this in the first chapter. Old Testament even describes it. New Testament describes it. Galatians chapter 3 verse 19 says basically the law of God that came down at Sinai was ordained by, guess who? Angels. You knew the answer. You're a reverend, though. That's cheating. Uh, Yeah, angel. No, I thought it was from God. It is from God. Who did he send as agents to ordain that? What was all that smoke, fire, and lightning and all that jazz? Angelic manifestations. Did you know the scripture says he sent his angel before them, the pillar of cloud and fire and all of that? That was described in angelic language. Okay? So they see that as very important. Some of you know some guy named Francis Chan, Chan is it? Is it Francis Chan? You ladies are all reading his books, right? And uh, been praying about that stuff. Um, he did a little video somebody sent me. And I want to just share the short part about the angelic issue. If we could just run that. Do we have that? You, the man. Thank you. YouTube, read scripture of this this letter. First, there's a short
1: introduction, which is followed by four sections where the author compares and contrasts Jesus with key people and events from Israel's history. Jesus is first compared with angels in the Torah, Second, with Moses and the Promised Land. Third, with priests and Melchizedek. And lastly, with the sacrifices and the covenant. And the author has two main goals in all of these contrasts. The first goal is to elevate Jesus as superior to anyone or anything else, showing that Jesus is worthy of all their trust and devotion. But his second goal is this. It's to challenge the readers to remain faithful to Jesus despite persecution. So in every section, he includes a strong warning not to abandon Jesus. So let's dive in now and see how this all unfolds. The elevation of Jesus begins in the opening sentence of the introduction. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors in many different ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. So the author's saying that Jesus is superior to all of the previous ways that God has revealed himself to Israel. He then makes this astounding claim that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's nature. These metaphors are making the closest possible identification between Jesus and God. So Jesus is what the rays of light are to the sun, or Jesus is what the wax impression is to the signet ring. For this author, there is no God apart from Jesus. Jesus is God become human as the son. And it's this elevated view of Jesus that's then explored throughout the rest of the letter. In the first section, the author compares Jesus with angels, which might strike you as kind of odd, like, why angels? In Jewish tradition, it was taught, based on Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 2, that the Torah and the words of God were delivered to Moses at Mount Sinai by angels. And so by saying that Jesus is superior to angels, the author is claiming that Jesus and his message of good news are superior to all previous messengers of God's word. And so the first warning flows from this very point. If Israel was called to pay attention to the Torah that was delivered by angels, how much more should we pay attention to the message that was announced by the Son of God? And not only that, given Jesus' status high above the angels. How remarkable is it that he gave up that high status to become human, to suffer, and to die? In Jesus, we see God's greatest glory and God's great humility as Jesus sympathetically joined himself to humanity's tragic fate.
0: In chapters 3 and 4, the... That's it. Pretty good, right? You want to see all of it, don't you? Not now. Anyway, but we may show the rest later and some of the introductory stuff but that was more relevant we've already looked at who Jesus was right and that remember some of that the signet ring and all of that here's the important part if anything that i share with you today encourages or deepens or broadens your thinking about the unseen world and increases your faith jesus is far better if you've got him and that's what always makes me a little bit crazy sometimes i interact with people about let's say, a demonic encounter or an angelic encounter, and they're like, whoa. But I thought you knew God yeah. through Jesus. Don't you think he's more, whoa? He's way more, whoa. Or however you like to say things like that. Way more. Way more. So that's a little theology on the side there. Let's go through all the names that I've got listed here. Everyone I put the first letter so that we can fire right through and look at Scripture rapidly, one right after another. First of all, angels are spirit beings, all right? They're immaterial. They're spirit beings made by God, specifically as such. They're not the departed, okay? They're not recycled souls or anything like that. They were beings that were made by God for a particular purpose. By the way, Hebrews 1, 14 are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to those to minister to those who shall be the heirs of salvation? That's our memory verse, right? You all have to memorize that verse. I won't let you back in church next week if you don't have it memorized. I'll be standing at the door. No, I'm kidding. But that's a great memory verse. They are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who shall be the heirs of salvation and they're unseen, immaterial beings left to themselves. The Scripture tells us that in the Old Testament, God showed showed up, well, wait till I get through. Maybe I'll answer your question. So, Teddy wants to know. All right. Look at this verse about Moses. Moses said, this is Moses speaking toward the end of his life. He's blessing and recounting to the children of Israel what had happened. And Moses said... The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran, and he came from the midst of how many? Ten thousand holy ones. Now, he led a million and a half people out of Egypt, but that's not what it's referring to here. He came out of the midst of ten thousand holy ones. At his right hand, there was flashing lightning for them. Sounds kind of like what? was just recounted by um, Mr. Chan, right? I don't know how he draws those things so fast, though. You see that? It's amazing. I've got to learn how to do that. Anyway, so that description of these unseen angelic beings accompanying God, the, you know the word Lord Sabeot? Have you ever? Sabbath? The, it, looks like, it almost looks like Sabbath. The Lord of Sabbath. It's not Sabbath. It's Sabeot. It's Hebrew for multitudes. The Lord of hosts, that's the way you translate it. The armies of heaven, they're real beings. And that brings us to, this verse brings us to the next point, that they are myriad, the next word, myriads, thousands upon thousands upon thousands, innumerable, if you will. And let me just uh, mention this by way of, um, remember, they're immaterial, so you can't see them unless they materialize which we'll talk about another time. But here's, here's the, the cool thing. Remember in the Old Testament at one point, Elisha was in his town with his servant and the Syrians had surrounded the city and were going to kill them, right? They thought we're dead. And his servant was like, uh-huh. you know, he was really scared, as most of us would be. And Elisha said, Lord, I'm going to ask a favor here. Now, that's not a quote. Don't look, you're going to look that up. But never see, never ask for a favor. But Elisha prays to the Lord and says, help my servant see what reality is right now. Help my servant see what's really going on. And even though they were surrounded by the Syrians, suddenly the scales fell from his eyes, if you will. He could see into the spiritual world. I used to say this a lot to people. If only... They made spiritual eyeglasses. If only you could put on a pair of glasses and suddenly see. (gasps) After your heart attack, you would be able to think about what you had seen and process it. The angelic realm, the demonic realm, it's all real. Okay, We're not talking about being superstitious and stupid and looking for cooties everywhere. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is a reality to it. So suddenly, Elisha's servant has his eyes open. He sees thousands, myriads, thousands upon thousands of angels. Those that are with us are more than those that are against us. That was the story. From Elisha and Kings, the book of Kings. But here's what the Bible tells us in Revelation. And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was what? Myriads upon myriads, thousands upon thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. I can't ever read these things without hearing Handel's Messiah running through my head, right? Blessing and honor. Anyway, that brings us then to the next one, that the angels are worshipers of God. By the way, that's what we should be. We can take a lesson from them. Huh? No. You know, that that was a dangerous question to ask, Shirley. Does that mean we're angels, she said. Don't get me going. Okay, so, (laughs) worshipers of the true God, they worship him. And the scripture tells us, and in the book of Hebrews, in the opening chapter, he quotes from the Old Testament. He pulls up a verse like Psalm 97, verse 7, to talk about the commandment to the angels about the Son. Let all those who be ashamed, who serve graven images, this is out of the psalm, who boast themselves of idols, worship him, all you gods. Now, how did the author of Hebrews get when the sun enters the world, God says, "Let all the angels of God worship him." I'll tell you why. Cuz that little word God's with the small g is the word Elohim. Anybody ever hear that word before? Elohim. It's the plurality word for God, even God's name. Elohim is plural, which is interesting, but it can refer to judges, it can refer to angelic beings, it can refer to, you know, rulers. Elohim. And so the word was stolen, so to speak, to describe God, but then he added all the other names that we come to know God as Jehovah, which is Yahweh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that little word there, the author of Hebrews, knowing the Greek translation of the Old Testament, commandeers it. And translates, it translates in the Greek translation. Everybody know what the Septuagint was? Does everybody know that? Who doesn't know? You got honest people in the room. Yes, honest people. The Septuagint was the Jewish translation for the Greek generations from Hebrew to Greek so they could read the Bible. Just like you have the Bible in English instead of Hebrew and Greek, right? So you can read it. And so the translation into Greek translated that word Elohim as, guess what? Angelos, angels. See, so that's how he swiped that and made the point that they are worshipers of God. They are worshipers of God. So they are spiritual beings. There's hundreds of thousands of them. They're worshipers of God. And one other thing we need to know about them they're glorious. More glorious than humans. I've seen some pretty glorious humans and some pretty inglorious humans. How about you? But you ain't never going to see an inglorious angel if you see him, unless he's disguised, right? Which did happen. Glorious, superpowers, superior to human beings, scripturally. Here's what the scripture tells us, and this is where we jump into Hebrews chapter 2, quoting out of the Old Testament Psalm verse uh, chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. What is man that you are mindful of? See, some of you know your Bibles. Right. What is man that you are mindful of them, but you've made them a little lower than the angels. And that's what he quotes in chapter two, verse seven. Let me put it. You have made it made him man a little while lower than the angels. Now, by the way, these references are pointing back to Jesus because he becomes man. And so for a while, Jesus. The second person of the Godhead is made a little lower than the angels. What? But that's what happened. Not to stay there, but that's what happened. So Jesus as man is being referred to here, but that gives us some orientation that angelic beings are really like superheroes, you know, that kind of super glorious, amazing creatures. There's something that we don't have time to cover today, so let me just hit you the titles real quick. You have an R, an F, and, a M, and an M, and it means this, basically. They are ordered in ranks, which 1 Corinthians, uh, 1, uh, Hebrews chapter 1 doesn't tell us about. Different layers of dignities, if you will. Both in the, this is something to think about, both the heavenly angels and the fallen angels have maintained their rankings, Which is why you got Satan, you know remember him? Remember that guy? Yeah, that's the fallen one. That's the next one. Put the F up there. We'll go. Fallen and evil, right? Satan was called an anointing cherub. Which means he was a big one. Anybody notice the songs that we sang today? There was something throughout all of them? Angels. Ho um holy, holy, holy. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, who are these guys they're archangels right there's word archangels that means first it's positioning, so they keep their dignity there's different ranks and dignities cherubs, seraphs, archangels, etc and then Satan, we know that his fallen crowd he's the boss as far as we know and the fallen angels we call them demons right which by the way fallen angels is the best clearest explanation of who demons are they're not departed people who were murdered or whatever it's that's not true well how come they knew all of this stuff because they cheat they've been around four thousand they've been around long before your aunt Tilly was ever born they know the whole story they can lie to you really good which is why you don't go to occult practitioners or mediums or anybody else to get answers because you're going to be deceived, you see. Now, I put your question off. Did I answer it already? Oh, you are so good. The Bible says that there's this number of angels, well, and there is no As best as we know. Boy, that's a good question. Repeat the question, the congregation said, because Hawkman has very limited abilities here, and uh, my ADD kills me every time. Okay, the question was, dealing with kids, for example, how can you explain that there's no new angels being manufactured? and that people who pass away somebody that's a loved one doesn't become an angel there's two ways to approach it one we don't have the number and by the way i have to be a little cautious best as we know it's fixed there's the you know the fallen angels and there's the uh, what is called the elect angels which would imply that when the rebellion happened in the ancient past before man was on the earth God secured the elect angel. You know, we're called elect because we belong to God, right? So he secured them because they stood with him, honored them, and allowed the other ones to go their way. So as far as we know, that's limited. But we don't know everything. I mean, God's God. And we don't know. Maybe he maybe, he, maybe he put out a new model, you know. <laughs> Unit B, you know, came out, you know, beta. Anyhow, I don't know. But, but, but... The way to argue with or to defend the fact that others don't become... The Scripture is very clear. Later in Hebrews, we're going to come across this verse. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that is the judgment. We're not recycled as angels. In fact, did you pay attention? What's that? Te Deum? Did you read the Te Deum with us? Isn't that awesome? The noble army of martyrs, praise thee. All the people who have passed away and have gone to heaven... They are who they are. They don't shift over into an angel life, right? That's it. I'm not here, by the way. Another question? That means I'm going to have to repeat it. Okay, hurry up because we're going to run out of time. Who who had a question? Oh, you have a question. Sorry, ma'am. Okay, so angels are ministering spirits. Holy Spirit is not an angel. No, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. He's God. See, why did God... All right, so now... All right, I'm going... Mm, 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 no. S- no. Why did God... I was just reading this. Uh, I think it was comments. when, when I, I'm sorry, the question is, the Holy Spirit isn't an angel. Absolutely not. He's God. Okay? The, tri- the, tri- the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, right, are in perfect, harmonious community. Why did God make man to be communal, so that we could enjoy what He's been enjoying for eternity? I think it was um, uh, uh, Doctor Schaefer. He is there, and he is not silent. That book that I, I quote used that I stole the title a few weeks back referenced that even the concept of a plurality in the in the in the Trinity uh, is revealed in nature. In His mind, I thought, "Wow, that's something to think about for a while." But yeah. Did I answer your question? Yes. yes now you up no, no, that's not fair. I'm never going. I haven't even gotten through ranks and fallen, and there's one more. So, so I know that the spirit, the and God, are all
1: um, communal, like you said, and we can commune with the Holy Spirit. Where do the angels fit in? Do they commune? How do they
0: commune with God? They worship God they worship and God. obey God. You're going to get the answer at the end. Okay. Here we go. Third thing, there's fallen angels, there's holy angels, there's dignities, materialization We don't have anything in this particular chapter that says it specifically But it most assuredly is implied that there are times that they show up I mean, it's obvious, we're going into Easter and and then Christmas comes How many stories of angelic visitation, right? They materialize And when there's an encounter many times, it's like they're dealing with a person, like they wrestle, they touch, you know, there's a physical materialization. Well, they are profoundly glorious, amazing, supernatural beings, so of course they can do that. That's not their natural state, and that's not the way they stay, but they can certainly manifest in that way. Scripture calls them uh, in some places watchers. Hebrews 1.14. I think, I did I put that up again? Or did I put that verse up? Let's look at it one more. Well, we're going to come to it in just a minute. Um, are they not ministering spirit, listen to this, sent out to render service? Sent out. The word is apostello. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, like apostles. Apostles are sent ones. That's who they are. And these are sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Yep. By the way, when I, when I have taught on this in the past, and I considered that in this room right now, there are demons. Some of them have piggybacked their way in with some of us. There are angelic beings who are watching and wondering, what are we going to do? And I shared that one time, and some woman came up to me and said, I'm never undressing again. And I'm like, I'm never. Like, I think you missed the point. You know? <laughs> the angels are holy. They're not. You know, it's, you. Cool your jets. Okay. They are messengers sent forth to minister to those who shall be the heirs of salvation. Messengers. The angel came to Zacharias in the Christmas story. Here's what we read. And the angel answered and said to him, we have that one, Luke 1. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, probably an archangel. That intimate, close in, whatever that means. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Isn't that great? To bring us good news. In that case, it was good news they were going to have John the Baptist. and That was going to begin the whole process of bringing the Savior into the world. They are also Ministers. That's the next word, ministers. He quotes from Psalm 104. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. There's a general sense in which that's true. He's sovereign over all that occurs in the world. But it's very interesting, the Septuagint again, translating the Old Testament of this verse, Psalm 104, verse 4, uses the same word for minister that Hebrews 1:14 uses and we're going to unpack that right now. They are ministers sent forth to do his bidding. Sometimes judgment, sometimes helping, sometimes rescuing, sometimes encouraging. You know that when Jesus faced tr- trial, when he went through his uh, prayer and fasting and was attacked by the enemy, attempted uh, by Satan, angels came and ministered to him. Elijah was ministered to by angelic beings, right? In fact, look at this. Are they not all ministering spirits? Let's put that verse finally. I'm sorry I messed you up there, uh, Ryan. You're doing great, though. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to, ren- to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Who's that? Us. I hope you're one of us. Those who are going to inherit salvation, that's us who have put our trust in Christ. They are here to render service on our behalf. Huh? Did you hear what I said? It's what it says. I'm just telling you what it says. So I, nobody's like, oh, that's cool. I don't know about you. I thought that was pretty cool. But anyway, so I got all excited about nothing, apparently. Okay, so they are they not all? Two words, ministering spirits... Their minister. Oh, I went the wrong way. There's your screen right there. Minister. <laughs> A little more coffee would help next time. okay, ministering's pneuma, from which we get pneumatics, right? Pneuma, pneuma, pneumatic drill, and air. The word air, wind, spirit. That's the word. The Holy Spirit. Same word. Pneuma. Are they not ministering spirits? Very interesting word. The word is. Liturgica. From which you get lit, liturgy, right? Liturgical service. It's like almost it's almost like saying, are they not clergy sent out to render service to those who are the heirs of salvation? Isn't that interesting? Special agents for that particular purpose. And here's the fun part. You're gonna like this one. Service. Guess what the word is for service? Deacon. Deacon! Diakoning, diakoning, you know, deacon. Table waiters, that's where the word came from for deacon, right? It's a table, one who waits on a table. In, in the Old Testament, when Elijah had just conquered, beaten up the, the prophets of Baal and had that great win, and, and Jezebel threatened to take his head off, he runs away depressed, he's hiding out in the wilderness, he's camping out in the desert, he's depressed, he's exhausted. The scripture says the angels came and made a meal for him. They literally deaconed. They waited on them. Waited table. Isn't that cool? They serve in that regard. They can bring miracles. They can heal at times. One of the verses that uh, Keith Green's song, we almost never find it. His second verse says, The angels, they all surround us, and they are ministering Jesus' power. Quickly now, reach out and receive it. This could be your glorious hour where, where did that come from anybody remember when Jesus was walking through um, Jerusalem and there was a pool called Bethesda and there was a man who needed to get healed and he said every time the water stirs I can't get in the water until you know, it's too late someone else steps in and what happened to the person who stepped in they got healed now it could have been superstitious except John puts it in the Bible as true Something was going on. And I believe that, and this is my opinion, nobody has to agree with me on this, I believe some of the manifesting gifts that the New Testament talks about are angelically driven. But, uh, you know, you can, you can disagree with me because I have been wrong like once in my life, I think. so, But I'm not wrong on that one. But anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. So he sends his angels to minister. And so speaking of good news, they're sent to minister to us. On our behalf, let me read something from John Calvin that he put in the preface, uh, Billy Graham did. John Calvin, volume one of his Institutes of the Christian Religion, said, angels are the dispensers and administrators of the divine beneficence toward us. They regard our safety, undertake our defense, direct our ways, and exercise a constant solicitude that no evil befall us. A solicitude is paying attention, watching out. Ministering spirits. Now, I'm going to just tell you what this did for me in a few minutes, but um, maybe, maybe faith will be stirred up within you as well. I've shared the theological points all the way down through messengers and ministers. Now it's time for some testimony. I have my own and I have some of others that I've rubbed shoulders with, and then I have one of many great stories. I could, I, you know, you can get this probably still used for like a dollar. Who knows? It's an old book, probably mostly ignored. But account after account that have come from mission fields and other places where God has intervened on behalf of people. I've told this story before in Bible study, so bear with me for a minute. And if you've heard it before. Um, I guess you can take a nap. Yeah, be all right. Um, when when we first uh, were ministering, and I was living in Tucson, Arizona, we, we began to deal with some strong demonic invasions in some people's lives, and we had some excitement on a few occasions. On one occasion, I was slightly terrified because somebody threw a glass ashtray at me, which I caught here. And uh, later, after the the person got freed up and we were doing a lot better and I felt a lot safer around them, I got some prayer time and said, Lord, I know that I'm not the best-looking person in the world. If you want to rearrange my face, that's your business. But I would appreciate if you would help me (laughs) to stay safe here while I'm doing some of this. The Lord led me to the book of Psalms. The 91st Psalm, some of you may recognize it. The beginning is, uh, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Jim Elliot, the missionary. That's the title of his book, story, right? But later on in that Psalm, and it's addressed primarily to the Son of God, it's a Messianic Psalm, it says this. um, He will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. Think of the implications of that, the cobra, the serpent. You know, what's it it referencing? Because you have loved me, he's talking about the Son of God, but I believe this applies to any saint that chooses him. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. So... Rule one for the Christian life, brothers and sisters, you've got you to gotta sell out to Jesus. I don't know how else to put it. That's where we're all screwed up. I'm just being blunt. We're screwed up. You've got to sell out to Jesus. He's the boss. And then if that's true, I have the confidence, this is what developed in me, I have the confidence that his care is over me until he says it's done. In a sense, I'm virtually indestructible. That doesn't mean I jump off the pinnacle like Satan said to Jesus, you know, jump off the tower here because it says right there that the angels are going to hold you up. And Jesus says, quit being a jerk. Now, that's my translation. He said, You know better. That's not what it says. Put God to the test, you silly. But that if I'm in the will of God and I'm honoring him, that I can trust him for safety. So I started claiming that And we had multiple, multiple stories Which I don't have time to tell you today Because it would just be exhausting But let me just say this Early in that time And we saw different times One case was a pastor's wife Who was kind of like dumbfounded That she had broken down on the highway And this, this uh, man And it looked like a painter You know, he had his painting White painting outfit on, you know Shows up, she had to get over a fence to get to safety. He shows up with his ladder. And he helps her over the fence and she starts, oh, turns to say thank you, he's not there. She says, do you think that could have been an angel? I don't know, I wasn't there, I'm just telling you, that's weird. And interesting, he's watching out for you whose daughter got delivered, by the way, from a, a, an oppressive thing that transformed her life. So that was not an accident, in my opinion. But here's the fun one. We're out camping one night. We, we got a little camper given to us. And, I mean, we had our little family, and we're out in the woods. And we're, we're, this is the desert, by the way, and there's scrub oak woods. It's these old oak trees, and there's a dry creek. And I'm standing next to this tree, about this big around. And I've got my son here and my daughter, and we're talking about nature and just having a wonderful time. I said, you know, it's dark now. We really need to go in. And the trailer was no further than the platform right here. So I said, well, come on, let's go. We got in the trailer, shut the door, barely turned around. And all of a sudden, I hear this roar. And I thought a Hells Angel motorcycle gang was coming through the valley, and we're all dead. You know, it's like, ah, it's over. I look out, there's dust everywhere. I had no idea what the sound... Yeah, you got it, right? I went out, finally, with a flashlight. The tree that we had been standing next to had been completely eaten from the inside out by um, termites, fell, a branch that was shaped like that was sunk, I don't know, a foot, half foot, into the ground right where my son and I were standing. That was an accident. Was just coincidence. Well, we have been learning about this and trusting God with all this. So, of course, we talked with our kids and we said, you know what? God sent his angels to protect us. And uh, I said, Steve, my, and my son, I said, that angel held that tree together and said, would you guys go in the trailer for crying out loud? And when we finally got out of the way, let go and it went down. And uh, And so... My daughter, who is theologically astute, she says, Dad, um, that angel didn't have to hold it. He could have just held it like that. She was always thinking too deeply for the rest of us. But anyway, for years, my son, when we would eat our meal and pray over our meal, at, you know, he would, when he prayed, he would say, Dear Jesus, thank you for your holy angels. Bugs ate that tree. That tree fell down. Thank you for this food. Amen. (laughs) It was indelibly printed in his mind that God intervened on our behalf. And there are more bold stories than that. Let me just read one to you, if I could, that are um, very, very challenging and many, 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 many times attested to. Reverend John G. Patton, for those of you who are missionary story people, you should know who he is pioneer missionary to the New Hebrides Islands, tells a thrilling story involving his protective care of angels. Hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters one night, intent on burning the Pattons out and killing them. John Patton and his wife prayed all during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see the attackers unaccountably leave. They thanked God for delivering them. A year later, The chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus Christ. And Mr. Patton, remembering what happened, asked the chief what kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, who were all those men who you had with you there? The missionary answered, there were no men there, just my wife and I. The chief argued with (laughs) him. They had seen many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. They seemed to circle the mission station so that the natives were afraid to attack. Only then did Mr. Patton realize God had sent his angels to protect them. The chief agreed. There was no other explanation. Now, you know, if that was just one, you say, where do you get this junk? You've been reading sci-fi. Listen. The annals of mission progress are filled with these kind of stories. We just don't care. They're real, and they work. And what does it do on our behalf? Look at what it says here in this last verse I want to share, and I'm going to close. It was revealed to the prophets. They were not serving themselves, but you. Did you hear what I said? You. Hello, you? You? Anybody home? You. You, yes, the author to the Hebrews is writing to the saints back then, but it applies to us. But you, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, the gospel is the good news of salvation. You've received it. Guess what? As great as those beings are, they long to look into the secrets of salvation. They're jealous of what we receive. If that doesn't turn your crank, something's broken inside. I don't know how else to put it. I read that and I went, wow. How should I worship if they worship? How should I trust if God does, in fact, have them watching out for me? I was listening to the De- Delirious song. Anybody remember Delirious? The happy song? I could dance a million miles, all Because one of the lines in there says, because now I know that God is not against me, but he's for me. And he is for me. Our job is the proclamation of the gospel. Our job is to live it. It's not their job. Their job is to protect us so we get the job done. I'm done. Let's pray. Wake us up, God. Help.